The Eddie B. Sit edition, an audio series of the Talmud Bavli. Masechet Sukkah has been dedicated by Celia and Isaac Jamal. Hashem Alehem Yehu Amen for the Hatzlecha of their dear children. May they see much nachat from all of them. May they all grow up and get married in the right time and have children healthily, happily with berachah vatzlacha. And may they see uh, descendants and descendants of their descendants. Ad bi'ad go'el sedek. Amen. The Masechet has also been dedicated Le'ilu Nishmat Sarah Bat Adel Ruah Hashem Tanihena Began Eden Amen Again by Celia and Isaac Jamal To school the Mitzvot Daf Yud Aleph Today's Daf is being studied Le'ilu Nishmat Avraham Ben Esther Ruah Hashem Tanihenu Began Eden Amen Today's daf is being honored, studied in honor of Uri Nidam, dedicated by the Ajmi family. Today's daf is being studied for a very special honor, for the birthday of our dear friend, Mr. David Hanono, the president of the community in Panama. May God bless David with long life. And I'd like to acknowledge that he is sitting with us today in Panama, in the Shi'un live, right to my to my right side. And Bazat Hashem, we hope he should have many years of success and aslaha. His boy is sitting with us as well. And Bazat Hashem, he should have much nachat from all his family. Amen. Amen. Thank you. We begin today's Gemara. Amar Rav Tachlifa Bar Avimi Amar Shemuel Hayashen Bechila Arum Person is sleeping in one of these Kila beds Arum, he doesn't have any clothes on Motsi Rosho Chutz Kila All he has to do is stick his head outside of the Kila Vekore Kiriyat Shema And he reads Kiriyat Shema Now, uh, even though he doesn't have any clothes on the kila is considered his clothes. And we'll see why in the Gemara. Which means it's as if he has, his body is covered with clothes. The kila, the tent, the uh, bed. And when he sticks his head out, so it's like his head sticking out of his shirt. And therefore he's reading the Kiryat Shema. What we have a question. If a person sleeps in the kila without any clothes on, it's that you should not stick your head out and read the kila shema. So it sounds like you can't do this. Which means when the kila is ten high, then already it's considered a domain of itself. And therefore, it's not going to help for you to stick your head out. Because when you're in a domain, you go after where your majority is. And since the majority is under the kilah, it's like your head is with the kilah itself, and you're in the same domain as your nakedness. And you cannot read kilah jema in the same domain as your nakedness. But if the kilah is less than ten tefahim, we consider it not a domain of its own, we consider it like your clothing. And therefore... Stick your head out, so I had my head out, and I'm covered up with this kila l'stetan. You can read the kiliat shema. Now you have to say that this opinion does not hold of the principle that you have to separate 
between your uh, upper part of the body and lower part of the body. There are opinions in Gemara Berachot, as we learned, that you have to make a separation. This opinion says no, it's not a problem. So long as your head is not in the same domain as the uh, nakedness of the person, you're okay. So less than that is considered your clothes. Look at the uh, Rashi, the bottom Rashi on the page. Since it's less than 10, it's not considered an oil. We don't say that you put the guy's head where the majority of his body is. Which is, if you would consider it an oil, then already we say, since the majority of your body is in the oil, I don't care if you stick your head out. Your head follows the body. But if you look at his clothes... What's the difference? You're covered over here, and the head is uh, where it is. And as she says, It's like he stuck his head out of his clothes. says, it makes sense to say this. It says the end of the Braita. The Mara compares a kila that is ten tefachim high. What is it analogous to? Imagine a guy standing in his house without clothes. It's not going to help him to stick his head out the window to read Kiryat Shema to put his head in a different domain. Because in a house, we consider your head follows where the majority of your body is. And since the majority of your body is in the house and there's no clothes on, your head is drawn to there. Shema, that is a proof positive we can learn from there. Comes the Gemara and says, Ubayit Nameh. You have to know when we talk about a house, even though the house is less than ten tefahim high, kevan since it's permanent, ohalahu, it's considered an oil, de logara mikinofet. It's not worse than a kinofet. We just learned on yesterday's da mikinofet was that type of canopy bed, since it's permanent. So even less than ten tefachim, it's considered an ohim. It's considered a uh, a tent. It's considered a interference to the sukkah. So if a kinofet less than ten is considered an ohim, certainly a house less than ten is going to be considered a permanent structure because it's a house. It's most not a tent. Yes, albeit it's a miniature house and it's a small house, but bottom line, it's a bayit. And therefore, what does this mean? If a guy's in a house that's less than ten tefachim. And uh, he sticks his head out. Uh, he's not wearing any clothes. He sticks his head out. Not Yotzekiriyat Shema. Why? Because his head is where his body is. However, by a kila, which is a more temporary type of structure, less than ten, it's his clothes. And therefore, he sticks his head out. It's like he's sticking his head out of his shirt. Therefore, can we Yotzekiriyat Shema? So that's the difference. Comes the Gemara and says, Vishna Aharina Amrila. We have a different version of this statement. Actually, of the sugya that we learned above, the Gemara is just going to go now and play around with all these different type of beds that we talked about yesterday. The kila, the kinofit, the naklitin, and we'll just see this version. Comes Gemara says, "Lishna harina amrila amar of Yehuda amar Shimuel mutar lishan bekilat hatanin." Oh, new bed. It's permissible to sleep in a sukkah under a kilat hatanin. Uh, that's picture number kuf chavzayin in our books. Basically, it's it looks like the. Uh, the mita. We have the two cross beams, or actually the one cross beam with the two vertical poles, one by the head and one by the uh, the uh, feet, and then you have like a uh, canopy that goes around it. That's called kilat hatanin. 
Okay? Now, a bridal canopy, exactly. So the Gemara says, The rabbi talking to Shemuel, Mutar lishan bechilat hatanim basukah. What's the logic? Lefisheen la gag. Doesn't have a roof. Yeah, the roof comes to a point. So the roof is less than a tefah. Afal pi shegevoa asara. Even though, Hidushir, even though it's bigger than ten. Normally we say ten is the cutoff. Once it's ten, it's considered an oil, it's separate, it's a separate domain. Here, since there's no roof, so therefore, look how big it is. It's not going to interfere with my skach. It's like you're still sitting in sukkah. Kebara Suri talking about metive, hayashen bechila basukah lo yatsa yedechovato. A clear statement. If you sleep in the kila, you're not yotsa yedechovato. So the Kebara says, hakeme me'askinan b'shiyesh lagag. There's different types of kilas. The kila we learned about yesterday was a kila that actually had a roof. Oh, if it has a roof, then already it's more uh, permanent. And therefore, if it's going to be tentifahim uh, with a roof, it's considered an oil, and therefore you're going to have a problem. So according to this opinion, it makes a difference. Without a roof, even higher than ten. With a roof, only lower than ten. Come and listen. Naklitim shnayim. The naklitim bed has two poles, two verticals. Kinofet arba'a. The kinofet type of bed had four poles. Piras al gabe kinofet. If you placed a sheet over a kinofet, pesula. Yeah, because it makes a roof. Al gabe naklitim keshera. Because there is no roof. Ubilvad. Oh, but by the naklitim bed, shelo yehu naklitim givrim in amita aserat tefachim. The Naklitin still has to be less than 10, even though it doesn't have a roof. Now that's what our question is. Mm-hmm. If the Naklitin bed would be more than 10, So how could you tell me that this Kilat Hatanim, this bridal canopy, since it doesn't have a roof, even if it's above 10, it's okay. Hey, I got another type of bed called Naklitin bed. It also does not have a roof. And you're telling me, only if it's less than 10. But if it's more than 10, it's a separate domain. Uh, what's the difference between a naklitin bed and a kirat hatanin bed? That Gibraltar says, Shani naklitin de kibiri. Naklitin, it's permanent. And since it has a permanence, that's the rule we're always giving here, permanence causes it to be as sur uh, as an oil uh, if it's going to be tentifahim. So the Gibraltar is trying to say like this kirat hatanin, it's really not a permanent type of bed. And therefore, and it doesn't have a roof. So it's got something going for it. Not permanent. No roof. Therefore, even above 10, you're okay. If you sleep in it under the sukkah, it's not going to serve as a separation. This bed over here, it's got something going for it also, the naklitim. No roof. But it's permanent. Therefore, only if it's less than 10, it will not interfere. But more than 10, yeah. So comes again and says, hold it. Kikinofot. If you're telling me it's permanent, let it be like the kinofet bed. The kinofet bed we said, since it's permanent, even less than ten, it's asur. <laughs> which way you want to play it? You want to play it kavua? Very good. Now we go to kinofet bed, even less than ten, it should be asur. The Gemara says, well, it's a relative kibiyot. Legabe kinofet lo kibiyot. Legabe kila kibiyot. Which means, relative to the kinofet bed, the uh, naklitin are not permanent. But relative to the kilat hatanim bed, 
it is permanent. So therefore, it's somewhere uh, in the middle. And therefore, the naklitin bed, we can make the difference. If it's less than 10, it's okay. More than 10, it's going to be a uh, problem. By the uh, case of naklitin, also it doesn't have a... uh, it doesn't have a roof, and therefore, since it doesn't have a roof, well, we're going to be lenient in the sense to say less than 10 is okay, but more than 10 is a problem. However, uh, when it comes to the uh, kilah, the kilah is not a permanent bed, kilat hatanim, and therefore the hidush is even over 10, it's not going to serve as a interference. So that's basically the uh, subject of the uh, Sukkot of So again, the three cases are kila. Just get it in your brain one more time for review. Kila, kinofet, and naklitin. The kila, since it's not kavua at all, like what we're talking about, kilat hatanim. Kilat hatanim is not kavua at all, does not have a roof, so therefore even above 10 is not considered a interference. Then you have your kinofit. Well, the kinofit is uh, permanent and therefore if you put a uh, sheet over it, even if it's less than 10, asur. That's the extreme. And then you have naklitin, which is uh, somewhere in the middle. Therefore, less than 10, okay. More than 10, asur. Comes the Gemaran Ketanish Darash Rava Baravuna. He gave it the Rasha. Mutar Lishan Bekila. Permissible to sleep in one of these canopy beds in the sukkah Afal pi sheyesh lagag Vafal pi shegevoa asara Oh, new hadush over here It has two negatives We're talking about a canopy bed that has a roof And it's above ten And still he says No problem, you can sleep under that bed in the sukkah Now that goes against everything we learned till now because bottom line, since it's got a roof, you're under a separate roof, and it's got the ten, so you're in a separate domain. How can it be considered like sitting in the sukkah? So the Gemara says, Keman, who's this going like? Which opinion is this over here? Gemara says, Kirabi Yehuda. It's got to be going like Rabbi Yehuda. De'amar, lo'ate ohel aray, umbatel ohel keva. New rule. A temporary or a temporary structure cannot come and override a permanent structure. The sukkah is considered your permanent structure. That's that's your house for seven days. I don't care, you got a roof in there now in your, in your canopy bed, I don't care if you got your tent tefahim, it's a temporary oil. A temporary oil does not override the permanent oil. Rule. How do we know this? Because it says that now we learn in the Mishnah. Amar biyudad noagim ayinu lishan tahat amita b'fnei azikinim. Since we had the custom on Sukkot to sleep under the bed in the sukkah, under the bed, you're being blocked in front of the hakamim, in front of the uh, rabbis. Now uh, the rabbis didn't tell them anything. So what was the logic? Obviously, the bed is a temporary uh, structure, and therefore when they would sleep under the bed. The rabbis didn't tell them anything because bottom line, even though your head is under the under the bed, there's a temporary structure. Temporary structure under a permanent structure doesn't mean anything. It's okay. So then we see that Biyudah's opinion is what? It's not a problem. So that the Gemara comes along and says, Why when uh, 
Rabbah made his statement, right? He said it's permissible to sleep under the canopy bed, even with a roof, even with uh, tent of Fahim. So the Gemara says, who's he going like? He's going like the Yehuda that says, an oil aray cannot mevatel an oil keva. So the Gemara says, he could have said this much shorter. He just should have said, who's he going like? Like the Yehuda. Well, what do you have to give me the that statement? Which means... He could have said, we don't have Yudah's opinion. Why did he have to verbally express it and say, like Rabbi Yudah, that says, an oil aray does not live a an oil keva. So the Gemara says, he amart halakha Rabbi Yudah. If he just would have said, halakha like Rabbi Yudah, have amina hani milimita dilgaba asuya. I would say, yeah, you know what? In Rabbi Yudah's case, where did he sleep? Under the bed. I would say in that case, the bed is not dealt with. You know why? Because the normal place where you sleep on the bed is where? On top. Since he slept on the bottom of the bed, I'll say, you're sleeping in an abnormal way. That bed is not going to ob- obstruct your sukkah. However, I could have argued, but the kila where it's made to sleep inside, emalo. I might have argued and said, that when you're sleeping in the normal way in the bed, maybe it does obstruct. That's why he had to explicitly tell me, Tamad Rabbi Yehuda, Delo ate oel aray umbatim oel keva. Lo shena mita velo shena kila. That's why he had to explicitly tell me the reason. The reason of Rabbi Yehuda is because an oil aray does not mitatil an oil keva. I don't care where you're sleeping. Even if you're sleeping in the oil itself. Which means, just to review. He said, go in your sukkah, sleep in the kila bed, nice roof, it's got that sheet over it, it's got two negatives, you're okay. And I said, oh, where are you going like? What kind of opinion is this here? We didn't see any opinions till now like that. Kibbutz says, oh, it's going like the uh, biuda. Now, what, what's the biuda? The biuda himself said that he used to sleep under the bed. Next to the hakamim, and they didn't tell him anything. So you see what? That even though there's an oil, right? He's underneath an oil, the bottom of the bed, it's okay. So the Gemara says, yeah, but the Gemara says more than that. It's the biudah that says, an oil aray doesn't mevatel an oil keva. What's that extra statement? Why, why wasn't the statement of the bed proof enough? Because you can technically argue a bed is different than a kila. When you're sleeping under a bed, that's not the normal way. Therefore, maybe I'd say that's why it's not an obstruction. But sleeping in a kilah, where it's the normal way, I might have thought it's an obstruction. That's what the Gemara explicitly says. En oil aray, nevatel oil keva. Finished. Even if you're sleeping in the oil itself. And now we move on to the next Mishnah. Hidla alea et agefen, et adalaat, et akisos. Yadasukah. <clears throat> okay, that's some schach on it. What you did is you uh, had some vines, okay, next to the sukkah. A gefin is a grapevine. Dalat would be like a gourd. And kisos is also a type of uh, vine that grows, let's say, on the walls, right? So what you did was you lowered some of these vines that were still attached. Now we learned yesterday, schach that's attached... It's not kasher. It has to be It has to be able to collect 
And if you can't collect it because it's attached to the ground, it's basul. But what do you do? Is you just lower down the vine on top of his sukkah. So now you got good good schach with this non kasher schach. So the Mishnah says, what's the din? Vesikech al gaba. You place it on top of the sukkah. Pesula. Why? Because you're using schach basul. Vimaya sikuchar bemehen. Which means, if let's say, you had more schach kasher than these vines, so then already the Mishnah is going to say it's kasherah. Or sheketzatzan. Or what would you do? It's lowered, right? All you did is come here, you cut it. After you cut it, what happens? It just falls on the schach. So the Mishnah gives you two options to make it kosher. Number one, if you have majority of good schach, this bad schach is going to become... But then we pay no attention to it. Or, just cut it, let it land on the top of the sukkah, you're okay as well. Comes the Gemara and says, Comes the Gemara and says, Ze'akla, we have a rule now. Kol shehu mekabel tum'ah, any item that's able to receive tum'ah, not every item can become tameh, you have to have certain qualifications. For example, let's say food. Food can become tameh. Beged, a garment, can become tameh. So the rule is, kol shu mekabel tumah, anything that can receive tumah, ve'en gidulom in and doesn't grow from the ground. For example, uh, let's say skins of animals, and things like that. So skins of animals doesn't grow from the ground, comes from the animal. But it doesn't receive tumah. So we're giving two cases over here. Either an item that does mikabel tumah, that's one case, or an item that doesn't grow from the ground, even though it doesn't mikabel tumah, either or, en mesakechin bo. You can't use it as schach. So that's a very important rule we're saying. Anytime now you're going to use schach, you got to ask yourself. Question number one. Is it mikabel tumah? Is it a garment? Is it a foodstuff? Is it a vessel? If it is, out, pasul. The next question you have to ask yourself, where does it come from? If it's not coming from the ground, pasul as well. And therefore the Mishnah says, For schach, you need two rules. Keep that in mind. Very important. Schach, the two rules are, does not mekabel tum'ah, and number two, it's gidulo menaares. So that would be, uh, for example, a vine. You cut the vine, so now it's not attached to the ground, but it grows from the ground. But a vine is a tree. The tree is not mekabel tumah. It's not a vessel. Therefore, that would be the perfect schach. That's why, for example, we use uh, bamboo. Right? The bamboo grows from the ground. It's not a vessel. Just a piece of uh, a piece of wood. And therefore, also, it's kashef for the schach. Now, comes the grammar says. Yativ Rav Yosef Kamed Ravuna. Story. Uh, Rav Yosef was sitting in front of Ravuna. The Yativ Kamar. And he sat and he said, O Shekitsatsan Keshira. We learned in our Mishnah, one of the ways to culture up this vine is what do you do? You cut it. You cut it, it lands on the sukkah. The Amar Rav, but Rav said on this, Sarikh Lina'neya. Not enough just to cut it and leave it there. You actually have to come and shake some of the schach in order 
to make it kashir. What's the problem? So the problem is like this. The Torah says regarding the sukkah, ta'asir. You have to make the schach. Not that the schach should come by itself. Then you have to do an action by the schach. Here, I didn't do an action by the schach. I had this vine over here, it was attached. I cut the vine, it just, it landed on. That's considered ta'aseh. That's considered ta'aseh velomin ha'asui. That's something that was made inevitably without human intervention. And therefore, Rav says a sukkah like that is pasul. The classic case of ta'aseh velomin ha'asui is a guy has a haystack. Right? He goes in and he starts digging out some of the hay from the haystack. And after he digs out, he notices now he's got a roof. But he didn't build the schach. He actually just dug out some hay and just walls appeared. And once you have the walls, you got a roof on top. Since you didn't actively do something to the roof to make it a roof, that's considered happening by itself. So this case is similar. Did I do anything to the schach? No, all I did is cut the, the vine and it landed. So how do you get around the problem, Rav says? After you finish, you got to go start shaking some of the schach a little and put it there for the sake of shade, for the sake of schach, and then it's kosher. So that was Rav Hunaz, uh, Rav Yosef's um, uh, Hiddush. <coughs> Comes the Gemara and says, Amar le Rav So Rav Huna hears the Hiddush and he tells him, Hashimuel Amara. He says, hey, Rav Yosef, you said that Rab said this Hiddush? Shmuel said this Hiddush. So Rav Yosef got upset. Rav Yosef says, Adirinu Rav Yosef le'appeh. He turned his face away from Rav Huna in anger. The Amar Lein, he told him, Atu mika amina lak delo amara Shmuel. Did I say that Shmuel didn't make this statement? Amara Rav, amara Shmuel. They both said it, which is all I said is Rab said it. Does that mean Shemuel didn't say it? That you're coming along and correcting and you're saying, hey, no, Shemuel said it. Of course. So I also said it. I'm not arguing with you. I just said Rab said it. Amale Ravuna. So Ravuna comes along and says, no. Hachi ka'aminalach. Dishmuel amara velo Rav. I'm coming to argue on you. I don't agree with you. You said Rab said it wrong. Rab never said such a thing. The one that mandates to shake the schach in Shemuel. So, yeah, I am arguing on you. You're saying something that's not correct. Why? Which means, according to Rav, Rav will say, even if you didn't shake the schach, it's okay. So, okay, let's get Ravuna good. Ravuna is telling you, who's worried about this Tarsin and Lominasui business over here by the cutting of the vines? That's Shemuel's uh, problem. But Rav, once you cut the vine, that's considered enough. Where do you see this? Kebara says, Kiha de Rav Amram Hasida. Like we're going to see by the case of Rav Amram Hasida. Now we're going to have to show like this. According to Rav, he also holds this principle of Tarsin and Lominasui. You got to do an action. Exactly. He's going to say, the cutting of the vine, that's the action. Who says you got to go now with the schach and start shaking it? The kitsitsa itself is considered the action. How do we know this? We're going to prove it from a case of sisit. The pasuk by sisit says, the lahim sisit. you got to make the sisit. Just like it says by sukkah, 
And by sisit also, you have to make the sisit, not that they should happen by themselves. So the Gemara is going to give an interesting case. Kiyad Rav Amram Hasida, Rema Techilta Lefirzuma Deinshebeta. He used to place the sisit, actually Techilet. In the days they would have the uh, blue string. So he calls the sisit the Techilet. He would place it in the uh, talet of his family. But the Gemara is explaining, who's his family? His wife. Uh, according to uh, Rav Amram Hasida, he held ladies are indeed hayav in sisit. Okay, he had a special uh, shita that said the ladies are indeed hayav. Okay, that's what it means. Because uh, he held like this. Why do we say ladies are exempt? Because we say sisit is only mandated during the day. But at night, you're not obligated to wear sisit. So therefore we say it's a mitzvah that's bound by time. And therefore ladies are peturot. Rav Amram Hasidah's opinion was, sisit is 24 hours a day. Therefore, if it's 24 hours a day, ladies are obligated in the mitzvot that are not bound by time. Therefore, he used to put the sisit in his wife's uh, garment. But what did he do? Tela'an. He would hang them, velo pasak rashehutin shelahim. What did he do? Interesting case. He would take one string, one long string, and he would fold it over to make it like four. Because you need four, uh, you need actually eight, but he would fold it over into four, and then he would stick it in the hole, and then he would make the strings, and then after, he would cut. Now already he'd have eight. Look at the picture books just to get an understanding of what we're talking about over here. In picture number Kuflam and Aleph, here you see the one string that's quadrupled over, right? You're making it into four. That's an Aleph. Bit, you would place it in the hole of the garment, right? Now you have technically four loops, right? Then we make the knots, but it's still four, it's not kashir. Then what would he do? In, in Gimal still has the loops, and then in Dalit, cut them. Now you end up having eight. So this is the case over here. So the Gemara says, So Rav Amram came in front of Rav Hayab Asher, and he told him, how do you kosher up these sisiyot over here? Amar le, he said, Achi Amar Rav, Rav said, Mefasekan. Just cut the strings. As he came to him, he put the strings in together, he made the uh, knots. I got a problem over here. You need eight strings, I only have uh, four over it. So just one long string over it, it's all attached. He came to the rabbi, hey, how do I coach you this? You see what the rabbi told him, hey, no problem, cut the Rav, just uh, cut. So the Gemara says, Mefasekan, Ben Kishirin Alma, What's the really making of the sisit? The real making of the sisit is making the knots. Here when he made the knots, it was pasul. It was all one string. You got to have four strings. How does Rav say you can kosher it up? Cut it. So the cutting is considered what? Like asiyah. And therefore, just like by the sisit, the cutting is considered asiyah. So to ketzitzatan zui asiyatan. By the schach, the cu- cutting it 
itself is considered asiyad neskach. So therefore they want to bring a proof to Rav from the case of the sisit. Which means, so it's a big hadush. The nafs were made. Now you can argue and say, well, it's pasul. You would argue and say, you want to make this kosher? And not the whole thing. Cut them, put it back in, and do it bekasher. Rav said, you don't got to do that. All you got to do is just cut it, and it's as if you made the knots again like. It's like that's considered an asiyah. Some's Gemaran says, V'savar Shemuel lo amrinam psikatan zu asiyatan. Hold it. That means Shemuel must hold, in this case of the Sisiyot, cutting it is not enough. Just like he holds by Tzchach. The Gemaran challenges that. V'atari Shemuel mishum rebi We have a statement from Shemuel. Yeah, interesting case. You took one long uh, string, you doubled it over and quadrupled into four now, but you stuck it through two holes. Look in your picture books, that would be Kufla Midbet. You're starting with Aleph, you have uh, one long string that you doubled over, right? Bet you stuck it simultaneously to two holes of the seceed garment. Okay? Now what did you do? You made on both sides knots, but it's still attached. Then after, you just snip and cut, now you got your strings full to two sides. So the Gemara, Shemuel talks about this case. Now let's see what he said. He says like this, You put the seceed on two corners simultaneously. Then you snip them, you cut them. Kishirin. Shemuel says it's okay. Uh, so what do you say over here? The Gemara says, My love, Shikosher, Posek. And we're assuming the case is talking about where you made the knots, which is that's the main part of the Sisi. You made the knots, you did the knots, then you cut. And Shemuel's telling you the cutting is considered like Asiya. That Gemara says, No, no. The case is where you put them in the garment. According to Shemuel, first you cut, then you made the knot. Because if you would have made the knot first, it's over. Because bottom line, you did the asiyah. So that's how we learned the case according to Shemuel. Uh, you thought what Shemuel said, you're cutting it. That was after you made the knots? Nah. Once you put it through the two holes, you got to get four strings. Cut, then make the knot. So Shemuel is consistent. So the Gemara says, Posek v'harkach kosher ma'ilememra. If that's the case, what's the hadush? What's the hadush? I'm talking about it. You stuck it through two uh, uh, holes. You didn't make any knots yet. means you didn't do any asiyah. You cut it. Shemuel says, oh, if you did that, kosher. Why should it not be kosher? So the Gemara says, "Ma'u I would have thought, "Ba'inan kanaf bishat p'til veleka kamash ma'lan." I do it like this. The pasuk says, "Kanaf p'til techelit." Right? That when you're putting the strings in, you have to put the strings on the corner. So I would have thought, since over here you put the strings in the garment, two corners, so therefore it's not considered kanaf. This is now kenafot. I would have thought that 
when you got to make your seceit, maybe you got to put it in one hole at a time, and it's kanaf. Here, by putting it in two simultaneously, it's going against the bazook. So therefore, Kamash Ma'alan, it's coming to teach us that no, when it says kanaf, it means at the time of the tying. It has to be one uh, kanaf at a time. But when you string them, when you stick it through the hole, I don't care if you stick two at a time. You understand the hadush? I could have argued and said, hey, you're sticking two at a time over here. Pasuk says kanaf, one at a time. You can't do two at a time. The answer is no, you can. When it comes to stringing it, it's not a problem. When it comes to knotting them, two at a time would be a problem. That's why you string, you cut, and then you make the knots. That's the hadush. Comes to Gibraltar says, we have a question. Tila'an, you took the strings, there were one long string attached. Velo pasak shalayim. You didn't cut them. Pisulim. So Kemara says, My love, pisulim le'olam. Utiyuvta de rav. Says you took strings, huh? You stuck it in the garment? To the hole, like the case we had. You, you, you doubled it over, you stuck it in. We're assuming you, you made the knots. The bright that says you did that, this seat is pasu forever. Now that's a question against who? Against Rav. Because Rav's opinion was, in that case, what you got to do is snip. All you got to do is cut. This bright as mashma, it's pasu forever. It says it's pasu le'olam. So comes the Gemara and says... Or actually just as Pisulin. We're assuming that it's Pasul forever and therefore it's a question against Rab. Amalikharab, my Pisulin, Pisulin Achi Pasku. You're right, the Pasul until you cut them. Who wants you cut them? It's Kashir. Who told you Pisulin is forever? It's Pasul until you cut. Ushmuel Amar Pisulin Neolam. But Shmuel's gonna say, No. Once you made knots, you're over. That's considered Tasebadominasui now. The cutting now of the strings, you're too late. And therefore, what do you do with the seat? Spasul, forever. Actually, the only way you can kosher it up is unknot them and start again from scratch. Vechin Amar Levi, Levi also concurred with the same opinion. Pisulim le'olam. Vechin Amar Abmatna Amar Shemuel, Pisulim le'olam. Ika de Amri, some say Amar Abmatna, Bididi Habay Obda. Abmatna said, a story happened to me. That what? He put the strings in, he made the knots, and he didn't cut them yet. And I came to Shemuel for a ruling. And he told me, that's it. They're conclusively pasul. Oh, this is the right that says. You strung them. Strung this seat. They got one string, right? Then you... You were posek, you cut the uh, strings, so it says it's pasul. That's mashma against Rav again. Because Rav's opinion was string it, knot it, cut it. Here it's saying you strung it, and you cut it, it's pasul. Question against Rav. Kemara says, furthermore, the odd tanya gabesuka. Another question. By sukkah it says, ta'aseh. Got to make the schach. What do we learn from there? Velo min asui. Not that if it happens by itself. Mikan amru. From here, the rabbi said, hidla alei gave him the If you lowered the branches, 
of the vines into your sukkah, al gaban pesula. And you use the Nazchak as going to be Pasul. What's the case? Ilima b'shelo ketzatzan. If it's talking about where the vines are still attached, my iriyah mishum ta'asev v'lo menasui. Why would you tell me the problem is ta'asev v'lo menasui? Tipuk nedem mohabarim ninu. If it's still attached, the reason why the, the vines are asul is because it's attached. Ela, what's the case? Ela b'shiketzatzan. Must be the case is talking about where the vines were Cut and still, what does it say? Vikatani pesula, and still it says pesula. Ushma minat de lo amnidan ketzitzatan zu asiatan utiyuftaderav. The Gemara is asking a question going to Rav. Rav, you said ketzitzas okay. Hey, I got a bright day that says ta'asei velo menasui. Therefore, if you have vines that are hovering over the sukkah, pesul. What's the case? If they're still attached. It's not Ta'asev and Asui. It's Asur because it's attached. The case of Ta'asev and Asui must be where you cut them, and that's giving that's the Gibbana to tell you that's a classic case of Ta'asev and Asui. So that's a question against Rav. Because Rav says, Kitsitsatan, Zuyasiatan. Amar lecha Rav. Rav says, I can answer that. Hacha bimai askinan. What's the bright that talking about? Deshalfinu shalufeh. You didn't cut the tree with a scissors or a clippers or something like that. You ripped the tree off. You separated it with your hands. Meaning you, you pulled the, the vines, let's say, with your hands. Now, technically, it should be kashir. Why? It's not attached. According to Dav's opinion, even if you didn't actually shake the schak itself, just by detaching it, that's considered an asiyah. So why in this case it's a problem? So the Gemara says, Because it's not recognizable. It seems when you cut a tree conventionally with clippers, it's obviously that it's not attached anymore. What about Ta'asev Lom Rasui? No, Rav holds. No problem. In this case over here, from the Torah should be kosher. Bottom line, what's the difference? How I took it off the tree? If I cut it with a clipper, so I pulled it with my hands. Bottom line, it should be kosher. But when you pull it with your hands, the break is not recognizable. And therefore, it still looks as if it's attached. So the reason why Rab said in this case it's asur is because of a, a technical reason. Which means it's only asur because the way you cut it was not the normal way. Since you pulled it with your your hands, let's say, and it still looks like it's attached. It's like a marita ayin. And therefore, that's why he said, this case is going to be asur. And therefore, it's not considered asiyah. Asiyah, when you have to make this chak, it means you have to make it in a way where it's noticeable that it's kosher. This is not considered enough of an asiyah. When you pull it with your hands, since it looks like it's still attached... So therefore, it's not considered an asiyah, therefore it's pasul. So Rav, Rav agrees that there's certain cases where it's kashir, and certain cases where it's going to be pasul. Mikol makom tal'an ba'arkach pasak. Okay, we still have one more question on Rav. The Braita clearly said, if you made the knots in your sasiyot, and then you were posek, pasul. That question is still against Rav. We raised two questions against Rav. The metive was, the guy made sisiot with one string, if, you know, he doubled them over, put it in the holes, made the knots, and he cut. The Braita said, Pasul. Rav, how are you going to answer that Braita? Kemara says, 
kasha. It's a kasha, we can't answer it. Which means it leaves it in a question. Now, normally when it says kasha, there is an answer to the question. There's options, <coughs> as opposed to when the Gemara leaves it in tiyufta. Tiyufta means it's a refutation. So there is some answer over here. So that will, could be, he'll say, the Brayta is talking about. Uh, uh, he has to add different variables to the case why it's going to be Pasul. Okay, comes Gabran and says, Lema ketanae. Let us say that this is a mahloket amongst the Tanaim. What are we going to discuss now? We just had a great mahloket over here. Is the ketzitzah an asiyah or not? Right? Does the cutting of the schach, of the tree, of the vine, is it an asiyah or not? Rav said yes. Shemuel said, no. Remember the mahloket of it. It's Rav and Shemuel. The whole sub, both agree, ta'aseh, you got to make the sukkah. The question is to what extent. Rav says, you don't got to actually lift the skach and do that. As long as you cut this tree and it landed on the skach, you're okay, it's asiyah. Shemuel said, no, 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 no. Ketzitzatan lozu yasiyatan. You actually have to lift. So the Gemara wants to say, you know what? I think we found this Mahloket Rav and Shemuel in the Tanaim already, in the earlier rabbis. By what? So the discussion over here is by Hadas. The Hadas that you use on Sukkot. Now, one of the laws is if a Hadas has berries on it, sometimes the Hadas grows little type of berries. So the Gemara says, if there are more berries on it than leaves, it's Pasul. Why? So the Hakamim explain because. The hadas is considered a hadas minumar, a spotted hadas, like a leopard. Why? Because the berries are a different color. Let's say the berries are red. So now you're looking at your hadas, you have all these red berries with some green leaves. It's spotted hadas, no good. But the hadush is if you pluck the berries off, then already the hadas becomes kashir. So the Gemara is going now. Another law you have to remember. You can't pluck the berries on Yom Tov. Why? Because you're fixing a keli. You can't fix on Yom Tov. So plucking the berries off, now you, even though you'll argue, you'll argue and say, what do you mean? Why can't I pluck them? It's not attached to the ground anymore. It's not getting any life. It's, it's, it's plucked already. What do you mean? There's no law of uh, 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 plucking something that's not attached to the ground. You're right, but bottom line, this plucking of the berries fixes the hadas. So by fixing the hadas, it's a suit on Yom Tov. Now you got the introduction, now we start the case. Avar Viliktan. Oh, he came on Yom Tov, the guy. He doesn't care. He plucked the berries. Basul. First opinion says, the hadas is basul. That's the opinion of the Bishamon. Ben Hachamim say, listen, you shouldn't uh, pluck the berries. But now that you pluck the berries, the hadas is kasher. Got the mahlok is over? Savruha, the rabbis now in the Beit Midrash try to understand the logic over here. What are they arguing about? Another introduction. There's a mitzvah, the lulav needs to be tied. With what? With the other species. The Lulav, the Hadas, and the Arava. Of course not the Yitrog. What does it mean, Sarikh Eget? According to this opinion, you can't just hold it in your hand together 
you have to actually tie it with knots. Now, if you hold lulav sarich eged, it's clear you can't. Which means what do you mean sarich eged? That's the mitzvah. Which means if it's not tied, you don't do the mitzvah. The only way you can fulfill the mitzvah of arba minim is if you actually tied the species together. Lulav sarich eged. Could you make this eged on Yom Tov? No way. Why? Because you're not allowed to make knots on Yom Tov. Just like you can't make knots on Shabbat. That is a permanent knot. And therefore, to make the eged on Yom Tov is asul. So, the Gemara must be talking about, in our case, where you had the berries on the Hadas on Yom Tov, must be with Tumah. It was already attached to the Lulav from before Yom Tov. Eged was done right of Yom Tov. Right? That would happen. Came on Yom Tov, he said, hey, all these berries over here. So what did you do? You pulled off the berries. <clears throat> now, it became kashir technically but it came kashir by default, because you didn't tie it. When you tied it, it was pasul. You didn't make an asiyah on the agent. By taking off the berries through default, now the agent becomes... So the Gemara analyzes the Kulaama Lulaf Sarik Egit. Everybody holds, you gotta put Tide Lulaf. The Yalfinan Lulaf Misuka. And furthermore, we learn the law of Lulaf from Sukha. Dikhtib Gabis Sukha Ta'asev Lomin Asui. Just like by Sukha, there's a law of Ta'asev Lomin Asui by Lulaf also. Even though it doesn't say the word Ta'asev by Lulaf, but we connect the two subjects and say, you also have a law of Ta'asev Lomin Asui. Meaning you have to actually physically do the mitzvah and not let it happen by itself. Now the Gemara says, my lab back come and pill again. This is the mahlokan over here. The man the mahshir sabar according to the opinion that says the hadas is kashir Amrinan Gabesuka Kitsitatan Zui Asiatan the Gabedulab Nami Amrinan the Kitatan Zui Asiatan. We'll say like this, just like by the sukkah. Cutting the vine that's considered making the skah so I'll say cutting the berries. That's like making the egged. Uman de pasil and the one that says pasul sabar lo amrin and gabesuka ketzitatan zui asiyatan. The gabelulav nami lo amrin and ketzitatan zui asiyatan. The opinion that will say it's pasul will say just like by sukkah the ketzitatan is not an asiyah, so to by lulav cutting the berries is not the asiyah. So the Gemara successfully at this point has now found that the Mahloket by Sukkah, which was by Rav and Shemuel Amoraim, is actually a Mahloket Tanaim by Lulav. The Gemara says, no, no. It's not the interpretation. I can tell you, everybody will hold that really, like Shemuel. <coughs> What? I'll tell you that sukkah, everybody says that the cutting is actually the asiyah. Oh, so then what's the mahlokit? The mahlokit over here by the lulav is do you learn the law of lulav from sukkah? First answer. Yavarat says like this. You took the berries off. Hey, one rabbi says it's kashir. You know why? Because he'll say, I don't learn the law of lulav to sukkah. By sukkah, you have a law of ta'asir. Not by lulav. Doesn't say by lulav ta'asir. That's 
that's why it's kashir. And the rabbi that says pasu will say, no, you do learn lulav from sukkah, and therefore it's a problem of, uh, uh, and therefore if we learn the uh, lulav from uh, sukkah, and if you learn uh, lulav from sukkah, so therefore there is a deen of ta'asem, uh, which means, again, I explain again. One opinion will hold that what? You don't learn lulav to sukkah. If you don't learn lulav to sukkah, there's no love ta'asem in the therefore pluck the berries, do whatever you want. The opinion, however, that says it's pasu does learn, does learn lulav uh, to uh, sukkah, and therefore you can have a problem of taaseh velo Okay, so that's again the mahloket. Comes the Gemara and says vi ba'itema. I can explain the mahloket a different way. If you're going to tell me that everybody holds the lulav needs to be tied, I'll tell you like this. If everybody holds that the lulav needs to be tied, I'll tell you also that what everybody learns lulav from sukkah, and therefore the lulav also has a problem of ta'asibulum and asuya. Therefore, by taking off the marriage, it's going to be pasul. More savar sarikh eged or more savar in sarikh eged. Uh, that's the ma'lokit. Different way of learning the ma'lokit. Do you need an eged or not? If you hold you need an eged, it's going to be pasul because of ta'asim al minasui. The other rabbi says, no, it's not pasul because you don't need eged. So therefore, bottom line, what the Gemara is trying to say, learn the ma'lokit by lulat any which way you want, but not a ma'lokit whether uh, kitsitsa is a uh, asiya or not. Which is the first way I'm learning, I can tell you that what? Everybody holds kitsitsa tan, zuyasiyatan. By sukkah, the kitsitsa is enough. Uh, so what's the mahlukat by the berries? The mahlukat by the berries is the one that says it's kashir because he doesn't learn there's a problem of ta'asevilom and asui by uh, lulav. And the opinion that says pasul, he's going to say, you do learn lulav and sukkah, just like by sukkah. So too, over here as well. Second opinion, now I'll tell you really, everybody on ta'asevilom and asui. The question, do you need eged or not? One rabbi will say, you don't need eggs. You don't need eggs, so I don't care. Take the berries off. It's not a problem. And the second rabbi will say, no, you do have to have an egg. Therefore, it is a problem. And it's following the following mahloket. One rabbi says, whether the love is tied or not, it's kasher. So you see, you have a mahloket tanim if you need eggs. My Tamad Rabbi Yehuda, what's the logic why Rabbi Yehuda says that you need Eged? And if you don't have an Eged, it's Pasul. Yalif lekiha lekiha ma'agudat ezov. He makes a gizrat shava lekiha lekiha from agudat ezov. When the Jewish people were in Mislayim, they had to take a group of hyssops, sprinkle it in the blood, and put it on their doorpost. The Pasuk says, Ulkatem nachem agudat ezov. Ketiv ha'atam, it says by Pesach, Ulkatem agudat ezov, you have to take a bundle of ezov. Ukhtiv ha'akar, it says by Sukkot, Ukhkatem nakem b'yom erishon. Take for yourself the four species. Ma'alalad ba'agudah, just like by the agudat ezov, it had to be in a bundle, meaning you had to tie them together. Afka nameh ba'agudah, so too it has to be tied together. So the Rabbi Yudah's source is what? Lekiha, lekiha from agudat ezov. Rabbanan, lekiha, lekiha lo yalfinan. They don't make that gizirah shabah. Let me tell you something about Gezerah Shabbaz. You can't make it on your own. You have to hear it from your rabbi, you heard it from his rabbi, you heard it from his rabbi, all the way to Moshe Rabbeinu. So the rabbis will say, well, we never got that tradition. So therefore, again, if somebody would ask you, what's the source of the Yudah that the love has to be tied? 
I go that is off the kiha the kiha. Just like there, the bundle of is off is died. So to bad lulav. What's the source of the rabbis? Look, they don't learn this because the comes again. Gemara says, Keman az Tanya. Who is the following statement going like? Lulav mitzvah leogdo. So mitzvah to tie up to lulav. Ve'im lo agado kasher. But if you didn't do it, it's kasher. Which opinion is that? E Rabbi Yehuda. If it's going to Rabbi Yehuda, kilo agado amai kasher. According to Rabbi Yehuda, if you didn't tie it, it's pasul. So it can't be that opinion. Ida banan amai mitzvah. According to the rabbis, why is it a mitzvah? According to them, they hold you don't have to do it at all. So this is like a quasi opinion. So the Gemara says leolam rabbanani. Really, I'll tell you, it is the rabbi's opinion. Umishum shneemar zeeli veanveu hitnael lefanab bemitzvot, which means like this: the Torah says zeeli veanveu. This is my God, and I will beautify him. How can you beautify God? You can't beautify God. No, the way you beautify God is you do the mitzvot in a beautiful way. Now, when you have your lulav and your other species, then you tie it up. It's nice. It's all united together. So even the rabbis agree, from the law of tying, you don't have to tie really. But it's a mitzvah to tie. You know why? But they'll agree. If you didn't tie it, kasher. But try to tie it because you'll make the mitzvah more beautiful. So therefore the Gemara concludes that indeed we do have a mahlokit. Does lulav need an eged or not? We also concluded on this daf. A great machloket between Rav and Shemuel by the kitzitzah of the vine. Is that considered an asiyah or not? And we saw similar cases by Sisit. Is it going to be considered the kitzitzah after the knots in asiyah or not? However, by the case of the berries of the lulav, uh, we could not learn that machloket similar as the machloket by sukkah. Baruch Amen.